Are you ready for the best real estate investing advice ever? Join Joe Fairless and today's successful real estate professional as they share it with you. Let's go. A quick word from our sponsor. When you reach more people, your business grows. You probably already have enough content. Just turn that content into audio and increase your reach. Got a PowerPoint presentation? Make it an audiobook. If you're more ambitious, then create your own podcast. But it's not just about reach. I learned that the hard way. It's about quality reach. When I first started the best ever show, it sounded well. I'll let you decide. And from an insurance standpoint, uh, based on your and now after partnering with the team at Twenty Four Sound, it sounds a lot better, right? Email Twenty Four Sound at hello at twenty four sound dot com and mention best ever for a 20% discount on your first product. Hello, Best Ever listeners. Welcome to the Best Real Estate Investing Advice Ever show. I'm Joe Fairless, and I'm here with today's guest, Alan Breimer. Hi, Alan. Hey, Joe. How's it going? Enjoying my, what is today? It is, I don't know, Thursday? But who knows what day this is going live, so that's not really relevant to the Best Ever listeners. Alan is joining us from Richmond, Virginia, and he has been an investor for... 12 years. He's raised over $1 million in private funding and done over 100 deals. Primarily, his deals have been focused on buying subject to single-family homes. And he's founded a RIA group in Utah Valley, and his company has actually been recognized as a top 25 company under five years. So we're going to focus our conversation today around subject two, because we haven't had a best ever guest speak to the best ever listeners about that strategy and um, what it is and uh, what, what, their, what Alan's best ever advice is on that. So with that being said, before we get into the specific advice, Alan, can you tell the best ever listeners a little bit more about your background and what you're focused on now? Sure, Joe. Happy to do that. So I got started in real estate in 2002 when I was a college student and saw an infomercial and got the wild idea that if I just flipped one house, then it would pay for the rest of my college education because I had been working and putting my way through school. And plus, I liked the idea of retiring early or doing whatever I wanted to with my life. And so I got started doing that and did a couple of wholesale deals my junior and senior year of college, which did end up paying for school, helped me pay off all my student loans, etc. Then once I graduated, I started doing it full time and really got serious about it. I ramped up my marketing. I got some assistance to help me out with the administration and executing everything and uh, started doing about a deal or two per month. And we're going really well. Started a RIA group in Utah Valley, and that was a good way to find deals for a while. And also, we had some pretty unique marketing campaigns that we put together, primarily focusing on uh, pre-foreclosures at that time. And uh, that's what caught the attention of the Utah Valley Entrepreneurial Forum. And so, like you said, we were voted one of the top five companies at that time, uh, 2006 or seven, I believe, under five years old. And since then, when the market crashed, I had to change my strategy quite a bit. I was also speaking and teaching about real estate at conferences at that time blogging, etc. And uh, I downsized a bit, stopped doing so many deals. I found that I couldn't, I couldn't as easily rely on them selling when the market was bad. It's gotten better since. 
So I've been doing a lot more wholesaling since that time. But up until then, for the most part, it was buy it subject to fix it up and then sell it again with some lease options and, of course, some wholesale deals. So nowadays, I moved out of Utah, lived in California for a while, the Bay Area. Let me tell you, there's a sticker shock when you look at some of the houses there going for a million dollars on up. And everyone there seemed to want to buy out of state anyway. So I didn't do too too many deals there, but I did do a couple through my connections in other states. Now I'm back in Virginia again where I grew up, and it's going well here in Richmond, having a good time. Just started the marketing machine up this summer and closing on our second deal in about a week. From listening to your story, I can tell that uh, first off, and from from kind of you know our initial conversations, you're very unassuming, um, but yet you have some very special and I mean just spectacular things that you've accomplished already. Um, the three things that stood out to me: one is, and I'm going to list them in order of so how we can talk about it. Uh, one is you founded a RIA group. Uh, that is in and of itself a very – I was just speaking to um, another guest, uh, Reed, on one of our shows, and he's founding a meetup group. And it's it's one of the best ways to position yourself as a thought leader in that area and to meet new mm-hmm. friends and have more friendships. So that is very smart in my opinion. The second is, my gosh, you were in college wholesaling properties – um, that's starting relatively early. Sure, there are people who start earlier, but um, to be able to do that while go to school, get it paid for. And then let's talk about the third because this is the one that I really want uh, – I'd, I'd love for you to elaborate a little bit more on. The unique marketing that you referenced that was recognized, what specifically were you doing that was unique that was targeting the foreclosures at the time? Sure. Uh, well – I wanted to try something very different because, as you know, it's very competitive to go after people who are in foreclosure because when everybody gets into real estate, the first two things they try are finding houses on the MLS through realtors, so that's very competitive, and people bid at foreclosures, foreclosure auctions specifically. Now, if they happen to have bought a book or a course or something, then they're going to start using direct response marketing. And what's one of the first lists people always mail to? Free foreclosures. Pretty much the case with absentee owner lists now uh, because of some more recent courses and trends going on. But at the time, it was all about free foreclosures. And uh, I did like marketing to them because they have a pressing need. And there's not as many leads, but every single one who calls is pretty much a motivated seller. And... It only depended on if I wanted to buy the house and if they had enough equity, etc. But I would show up at their houses to make an offer. And I'm not kidding you, Joe. They would have a stack of mail two feet high sitting on their kitchen table, two feet of postcards and letters and yellow letters and everything in between. And they responded to me, fortunately. And uh, I just said, you know what? I really need to change my strategy. Prior to that, I'd been doing a seven-step series of lumpy mail, which is kind of hard to do. The way I do it now is I mail once a month to several lists, but all at the same time, so I get some savings on on bulk mail. And to do it once a month, it's pretty easy, right? But with pre-foreclosures, a seven-step series when you only have three weeks, four weeks before their auction, it, it pretty much took one person spending three hours a day to make the list, 
stuff all the mailers, and every single mailer, or most of them, actually had some kind of object put inside of it that they could feel through it and increase their likelihood of opening it up, right? You know how lumpy mail works. So we would put stuff like a tiny hourglass inside. And of course the letter would say, time is running out, call us now. Or, uh, you know, I probably should check the legality, but we put like a packet with two aspirin in it and then then say something like... That's okay. I sent my tenants lottery tickets and I haven't checked the legality of that. So, <laughs> Oh yeah. Yeah. Or, or who gets the money if they win? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, we would, we would do that and I had someone handling that for me and that's cool. Um, but I wanted to try something very different, the more competitive it got. And also the hotter the market is, this was a very hot time from 2004, five, six and seven. There was only like a hundred foreclosures a month in a county of a hundred thousand people. So think about that. There's not that many foreclosures because everyone's got credit available to solve their problem. Everyone can refinance even if their credit is awful because uh, the subprime loans are still a thing. Or if they had to say, you know what, I'm out of here. I'm going to sell my house. Bam! It was under contract in a day. So things are getting very close or very um, competitive. So I had to go back to basics and say, how can I position myself as being different? And I bought that two-foot stack of mail for 50 bucks from that seller. I didn't end up buying their house. When I found out I couldn't buy the house, I was like, okay, can I at least buy your mail? And I went through it, and it was all the same old stuff. You know, I want to buy your house. Cash, cash, cash. Fast, fast, fast. You know, and that's cool. That works. But I was like, how can I step it up a notch? And I'm not a realtor. or Well, I'm still not. I'm about to get my license finally after 12 years of doing this, but I I wasn't a realtor, so I can't position myself that way. And uh, what I did was create a website called Your Home Advocate and set it up to be a one-stop information resource center for distressed homeowners. Now, you've seen, I've seen quite a bit of that since then, but at the time, no one was doing it. Once things turned south, you started seeing ads for like, let us negotiate your short sale on freaking billboards, right? But since then, or at that time, nobody was doing this. And I did not do the hard sale at all. That's some other feedback that I got from the sellers I was talking to. People were always like, what are you asking? What is it worth? What are the repairs? What do you owe? Will you sell for what you owe? Pay your cash close quick, you know, and it, it kind of turned them off. So I I position things totally different because I don't believe in head-on competition. I don't believe in meeting force with force. I believe in the blue ocean strategy, doing something totally different. And then there is no competition. So I would send people a postcard and a letter and call them. And it, it was on like gray paper and had a seal. You know, it didn't say like we're with the government, but it looked official. And it pretty much said we're a resource center and we will help you Go through your options if you're behind in payments. Go to our website and get our report of the 10 solutions you have available if you are behind in payments. Now, guess how many of those solutions involved me making money? Only two of them. The other eight were just honest answers, (laughs) honest things that I recommend people do if they don't feel like selling their house because no one wants to sell their house when you're in foreclosure unless you're getting a divorce and there's too many bad memories or something. So the first suggestion was call your lender, work it out with them, 
Try a short sale. Try a mortgage modification. Try a forbearance agreement. If that doesn't work, try listing your house. I have an agent I can recommend. Blah, blah, blah. So basically, go in under the radar and just get them on the phone was the strategy. And it was also a bit of content marketing because it was a report. And uh, you didn't see too much of that back in the day. You still don't. I mean, for the most part, it's I send you a mailer. You call me back. I make offer. If I'm one of the rare few investors, then I'll follow up with you later, but most don't, right? So it's mostly like immediate gratification. Now, 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 now. We took a different approach and it worked pretty well. So we bought a bunch of foreclosures in that way. Some the seller did move out. Others I would buy subject to and lease back to the seller. And even if that is completely legal in your area, which I confirmed that it was in mine, I'm still not big on it to this day because... As soon as you solve people's problem, I learned, they will turn on you for the most part. They immediately forget how nice you were. They forget that unlike 99.999% of home buyers, you didn't make them move out. You allowed them to stay there. Uh, they don't care. And actually was involved in a lawsuit, which I won. But the experience was so stressful and cost me about 30 grand. Uh, and made me, I had to fly out of town a couple times, you know, I just don't want to go through that again. So I can't recommend that particular exit strategy. Uh, but I do want to suggest to everyone to find out what people want and give it to them and find a way to make money giving people what they want. So based on your experience as a real estate investor, what is your best real estate investing advice ever? My best advice is to find as many leads as you can, preferably in ways that no one else is doing. Quite often, it's harder to do that. But if you put forth the effort, then you will find leads that you do not have to compete with other people. Also, if you change your message, your approach, your personality to be more conducive, then you'll build rapport and more of your leads will turn into sales. And then lastly, the more ways you have available to make money, the more every single lead is worth to you. So if you're only making cash offers, only flipping houses, you're going to lose tens of thousands of dollars that you might have otherwise made from the same exact leads. Alan, are you ready for the best ever lightning round? You know I am. A quick word from our best ever sponsor. Best ever listeners, if you want to grow your business, you need an audio product. Contact 24sound at 24sound.com for a free consultation. And remember, you'll get 20% off your first product just by mentioning Best Ever. Best Ever book you've read? Probably The E-Myth because of its systems orientation. And Best Ever listeners, I know you like audio, so you can go to freebesteverbook.com and get a free audio version of a book like that. Alan, Best Ever personal growth experience and what you learned from it? Uh, well, it's been more of a process. Uh, I got divorced maybe five years ago, so that was a very trying time for me. And it's also one of those uh, time to reevaluate my life experiences and what went wrong. And it wasn't like a magical retreat or experience or seminar or something where the lights turned on. It was more like me saying, what are my personal practices going to be? I had a lot of stress at the time, anxiety, fear, depression. So I started looking into the cures and the answers were simple things like exercise, uh, meditation, just clearing your mind and breathing and paying attention to things like yoga, simplifying your life, 
a combination of practices implemented over several years has been the most transformative thing for me. People often want a magic pill, something that lasts in a weekend, but that's not how it, that's not what's worked best for me. Best ever deal you've done? Oh, best deal I ever did was a house on Bambi Court <laughs> that I bought. Uh, it was a wholesale deal from another investor. I bought it subject to, I actually got a $10,000 discount on the loan I took over for paying it off early because it was through the something about the state's world of world development division. I don't even know. Uh, but that is one that I chose to live in for a while during a hot market. So I got some roommates to come in and they, they footed the whole mortgage. I actually fixed it up myself over time more as a therapeutic thing, just, you know, as painting and floorboards and stuff like that. And because it appreciated so much, I sold it and made about $63,000, which was twice as much as I would have made if I had just flipped it. So in hindsight, in a rapidly appreciating market, even if you hate being a landlord, it does make sense to hold on to a couple of them for a couple of years. And just like 20 seconds or less, can you tell the best ever listeners what is subject to and why is it relevant? Sure. It's a way to buy a house where you don't have to get a loan. You don't have to borrow any money. You basically just have the seller transfer the title to you. And their loan is still secured by the house and they're still liable on it. But you keep making payments on that loan for them and you own the house. And it is the least expensive way to get into a house because there's lower closing costs, there's lower financing costs, etc. So it is an outstanding no money down strategy if it is available in your state. And why would a seller do that? They have a pressing problem that they want to get out of, and it looks better than the alternatives is the reason they would do it. So it has to be someone who is either going to lose their house and have a foreclosure on their record or wants to rebuild their credit and trust that you will make payments on their loan and actually improve their credit over a year or two, which I have seen happen many times. Best ever quote. Nature never hurries, yet everything is accomplished. What's the biggest mistake you've made in real estate, Alan? The biggest mistake has been accommodating sellers to the point where I put myself in a position to where I could be taken advantage of and have them turn on me, which was the story I told earlier of allowing sellers to stay in a house after they sold it to me. And what's the best ever place to reach you? My website is thoughtleadersretreat.com. Well, thank you so much for being on the show, Alan, and sharing your tremendous insight on uh, subject to, but then also, and I found what was a surprise out of this was your uh, direct mail approach and how you were acting as a thought leader to the foreclosed, uh, you know, foreclosed uh, owners and how you help them out by giving them advice and giving them options um, for you know what what they have available, um, and some of the options actually the majority of the options weren't directly tied to your business, but it was all in the effort of helping them um, come up with a solution that made the most sense for them. And at the end of the day, I mean, it sounds like you live in a world of abundance, as I do too. And you know that money's going to come um, as long as we continue to add a lot of value. Um, genuine value to others. So thank you so much for sharing your advice and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks a lot, Joe. It's been fun.
Hey you, best ever listener, do you want more? Then head to JoeFairless.com, where there are tons of free videos, templates, and content to help you get deals done. And if you want Joe to personally help you reach your goals, then go to the Work With Joe tab on JoeFairless.com and apply to, well, Work With Joe.